This is Great Disturbances, a Star Wars podcast. Each week, hosts Rich and Paul discuss Star Wars media, no matter what form it takes. All right, we are back. Back again. We're, uh, I'm, I'm Rich. And I'm Paul. And Backstreet's back. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk to you more about uh, Tales of the Jedi one last time. Once more, as they say, with feeling. Or one last time, as they say in the Hamilton musical. Right. Yes. Yes. So. In that. Yes. So, yeah. So this is the last arc. It's called Redemption. Yeah. So this is uh, is it. We're not going to be doing any more Tales of the Jedi. No more Tales of the Jedi. Because there are no more. There are no more tales of the Jedi. Their tales are all told after this. So, so, yeah. I know that even though last episode I asked you to do the synopsis, <laughs> I think you should do it this time because you actually prepped a, a synopsis. I learned my lesson. Yeah, I prepped, yeah. I prepped for this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so 10 years after the Great Sith War, Ulit Keldroma searches for a way to regain his lost connection to the Force, or at the very least, a place to die. Meanwhile, Nomi Sunrider has become a Jedi emissary of sorts, and she summons all Jedi to Exus Station for a great convocation to determine how to repair the damage to the Republic done by Ulit and his Sith Master, Exar Kun. So intent is Nomi in her new duties that she ignores the desires of her teenage daughter, Vima, who leaves to find Ulik, believing that Ulik will be able to train her to be the Jedi Knight she wishes to be. But Vima is not the only person on the hunt for Ulik. Angered by the death of her life mate, Kratos, Cathar Jedi Silvar, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, seeks to avenge her fallen spouse by spilling Ulik's blood. She hires Jedi superfan, Hogan, <laughs> He is yeah. Jedi Superfan, right? He's like a Jedi. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. To take her to where he dropped Ulik off for a final showdown. Ulik agrees to teach Vima in the meantime, and she becomes a Jedi Knight as Ulik is murdered. He fades into the Force, something heretofore believed to be reserved for Jedi Masters as the arc and the series Tales of the Jedi ends. Oh, beautifully done beautifully done beautifully done i told you i learned my lesson from the last time i'm not fucking yeah. up like that again <laughs> fucking hell dude we should maybe just maybe just do that for all the things every time maybe <laughs> i feel like i feel like i just got i think i just got hired for a job it feels like we should we should just do a separate like side podcast where i just tell you hey rich summarize <laughs> Jurassic Park for me, you know, and, and you just read the thing, and then we're like, "Okay, guys, see you next week," you know, <laughs> where Rich summarizes Jaws or something. <laughs> dinosaurs, there's dinosaurs and Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> this is not what the else? podcast I thought it would be. What else do you need? Yeah, dinosaurs and Jeff Goldblum. That's what are, what are you? It, right? How are you not satisfied? <laughs> are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> So I feel a lot better about this arc than I did uh, the last arc. The oh, last time, the last two arcs. The last, yeah, the last two. Yeah. Yeah. The, like the last time we talked, I I mentioned that I did not, I, I didn't like the diversion back a thousand years. I wanted to find out more about like how this story wraps up because it felt yeah. like it ended with like a 
like a little bit of a cliffhanger, not cliffhanger so much as like a unresolved thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it wasn't cliffhanger so much. It was as it was kind of just unsatisfying ending wise. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I noticed right off the bat that the art in this was like way better. Yeah, I was that, literally the first thing I was like, holy shit, this art is way better. Way better than any of the arcs that we've done. Yeah. Any of which, these Tales of the Jedi arcs. Any of these other Tales of the Jedi were either done by the same or similar styled right. people doing the work. Right. Right. I, I think this one was thing, like a huge upgrade. Yeah. I think the other thing that we have going here now, this is just something that I've noticed as a comic fan for 40 plus years. Whenever you have the penciler who's also doing his own inks, the art looks way better. Oh. Like way, way better. And this, the dude that did the penciling also did the inks for the first, second, and I think fifth issues. Okay. And he had, he had somebody else doing the inks in the third and fourth issues. Okay. But you, you'll notice there, I noticed that there was a little bit of a dip in the quality. Yeah. Because like, your your best pencil or inker groups or couplings are going to be the ones that really know, like really know what the, uh, what the penciler is trying to come, like trying to evoke. And when yeah. he does his, when he does his ink, you know, his, his or her inking, they know like where, like what to do, what to accentuate. Yeah. 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 Or even the best inkers in the business don't need to even know what the penciler was trying to do more. They, they know more, how to tell the story better, even better than the, the penciler and they can make the penciler's work look even better, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 But I, I've noticed that more often than not, when I, when a when an artist inks their own work, it looks, it just fucking blows your it, mind. It, yeah. It just, it just pops. It really pops. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we had here. And I, I real I really, really liked it. I mean, there were a couple of spots where I was like, Oh, that looks a little, a little awkward. A little goofy. Yeah. Right. But by and large, the artwork was compelling and the layout was compelling. The way that this story kind of flowed, the panels, you know, panel to panel, we had a couple of like really big, like, you know, two page spreads where the story just kind of flowed across two pages instead of one. Yeah. And, and yeah. I loved that. I thought that was great. so good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it was so good. I, I have to question myself. Okay. Did I love this book that much more? How much? How much is this is due to the art mm. that I loved this set of stories more? So now, I say that knowing that I think even if it had been done by the previous artistic crew, visual artist crew, I think I still would have liked it more. Yeah. However, I liked it. I think it was a fairly large factor. Yeah. And how much more I liked this. Now, one thing I will say is that 10 years were not kind to Ula Kildrama. No, God, no. He no. looks like a fucking grizzled old dude. Yeah, he does. When in reality, he's like 32 <laughs> or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's 32 with a two-pack-a-day habit. Yeah. <laughs> out in the Florida sun all the time. You know, no yeah. no sunscreen on. <laughs> but, but, but back to my point, though, is that like... Yeah. The the artwork was so good that that was a key factor in how much more I enjoyed this set of books. Yeah, I think that I think that when you get someone who can, and I I'm not meaning to disparage the the previous art crews, 
But when you get someone who just gets how yeah. the story is supposed to flow, yeah. who's in sync with the writer as much as, say, the inker is with the penciler, when you get someone that's in sync with the, the writer of a story, that, that comes out on the page. That's evidence yeah. on the page. And, and I think that's what we have here. I think we have a kind of a little perfect storm of Kevin Anderson and the artist just kind of knowing together how they were going to tell how them. to do it differently. And you know, one thing I think, as I think about this, one thing I think is that the, the art crew did a lot more face close-ups in this, yeah. in this set of books. And it really worked out. I think. It did. It, it, it gave it almost a filmic quality where you had, yeah. you had your, your wide shots and your close-ups and all that. Yeah. It didn't feel crammed together. Like there were no. certain points in like the previous arcs, especially the last two where everything kind of felt crammed into one page. Yeah. Um, so much so that like there were things like something was reacting in one panel and I was like, what is that reacting to? What's happening there? Yeah, and you could kind of go back and you could see that. Oh, oh, okay. So this one's taking yeah. a swipe at this one. That's what it's reacting to. Okay, it was weird. Yeah, and this one, this one, there's a, there's a, there's a two, there's a two-page fold where Ulick and Vima are just looking at a holocron, mm. and that's all it is. It's just those two in a holocron, and it works so well versus like the ornamentally done up previous art style of the other books. Right. In terms of character, uh, character relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 You know what? That didn't, it did. It does look a lot more simple. It felt, okay. So this is something that we, that we talked about last episode too. We, if like Star Wars at its core to me has to feel lived in and this, this art felt lived in. Yeah. You know, like it felt was, like you could feel the grime. You could feel yeah. like the, you know, like you said, grizzled. Like he, he looked grizzled. You he could looked feel grizzled. That, he, right? and like the pretty much all of the characters in the previous couple of arcs were wearing clothes that you're like, you wear that every day. Yes. Do you do you hate moving around? You know what I mean? Like yeah, the Empress. I was like the Empress, who is some kind of warrior too, right. is is always wearing armor and a weird head thing and whatever fucking leg thing she's wearing. But meanwhile, yeah. Vima Sunrider looks so much like a star Wars. Yes. Young person yep. in this. God, this is just so much better. I'm a little disappointed that this is it. And we're not going to get to know anything more about where she goes. Yeah. I want to know more well, about her story after all. Unless, this. unless there's something else somewhere else, oh, but yeah, I have to look at these books. This is it. Yeah, this is it. Actually, when I started reading this, I had a bit of a, like a bittersweet moment. Like, hey, you know, we've kind of been in this world for such, you know, so many episodes now. Yeah. That this is kind of like now, well, well, we're leaving this behind now. Yeah. Necessary because I don't want to stick in the comics forever. I don't want to stick in this era forever. But anyway, well, okay. okay. So let's get into it. Like, here's, so one thing. Yeah. I just have like a few notes because there's, well, I have notes. Um, but some of the things I wrote down are very big, broad sure. things, right? Yeah. But some smaller things. In issue two, the crawl says about Ulick, only one Jedi blinded to the Force. And I thought to myself, how is Jedi membership given and revoked? Like, 
why is Ulix still considered a Jedi? Yeah. He betrayed the Jedi and the Republic. Like he made war, murdered all this stuff. Like who gets to say, you know what, Ulix, sorry, bro. We're going to take your name out of the role. You know, you're no longer the meeting notes recorder for Jedi club 724 on Wednesdays or whatever. Like, why why is why is Ulick why is Ulick still considered a Jedi? Why is he still wandering around? Yeah, also yes that. Like, like that, there was bro a should have been I, yes. Bro should have been immediately arrested. Right. Well okay, yeah. well think about it this way, okay? Every one of these other arcs that are similar to this, Kylo Ren, Darth Vader, they they end poorly for the protagonist. The one who turns back. Arc. Right. Yeah. You can't come. You can turn back to the light, but th- you still have to. If left alive, Darth yeah. Vader would have had to have faced some sort of penalty. Right. You don't mm-hmm. just get a pass because you're like, I see the light. Everybody's like, Oh, well, oh, he's back. Well, cool. oh, he's, that's it. him. Don't worry about all those Ewoks. It's fine. Yeah. Like same thing with Kylo Ren. They pay yeah. the ultimate price. Ulit Kaldroma still wandering around. So when Silvar is up there talking about how I, I don't understand why he's still wandering around, I literally said out loud, yes, why is he still wandering around? <laughs> yeah. Why is he still allowed to just meander about looking for... What? That would be... Okay, imagine Hitler being able to be wandering around. Like if Hitler lived through the end of World War II. Right. And and rather than locking him up, they just slapped him on the hand and let him wander around. And we're like, we gotcha. Yeah, huh? see, you're not allowed to do this, Hitler. We're taking away all your power, and now you go find yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? What? Why? How is that even possible? Yeah. Why? How is it even possible that the Jedi, who are supposed to be, the Jedi are kind of the law and order people. Yeah, right. Why are they letting Ulit Keldroma run around? Even though I like these books, mm-hmm. it also makes the the end of Kylo Ren and the end of Darth Vader that much better because mm-hmm. they redeem themselves right away in that moment. Right. And then they pay the price. Whereas Ulick gets to run away and like brood a while for ten years. Yeah. Um, and then pays the price after redeeming himself, right? Ten years, you know? man. Yeah. Ten fucking years. I mean, there, I mean, think about it. There should have been a galaxy-wide manhunt right. for him, you know? And then they bring him to justice. He stands trial. He goes to jail. All this, yep, whatever, yeah, you know? all that stuff. You could still tell this story if he's in jail. He yeah. teaches Vima from the jail cell. She can, she can visit him right. in prison, right? Right. Yeah. You could still tell this story. But then again, you don't yep. get hurt. You don't get Silva, Silvar's... Uh, a redemption arc with that either she gets to yeah she she's also to, redeemed in this story she also well. gets That's, redemption yeah yeah i try yeah, i think so, i trampled okay, yeah. all over what you were saying there but no I just, the, I, the the only point the point that i was like zeroed in on is who gets to be a jedi and why right because why is he why is he still called a jedi like even yeah. even everybody still refers to him as a jedi like what you know would you have been okay with it if they just said the fallen jedi or that I think former I think would, Jedi. So so I would be okay with that if I understood. I think my point was I don't understand what makes you a Jedi and what doesn't make you a Jedi. Gotcha. In terms of right, because you could because you could say let's say let's say that you were Luke Skywalker and you met 
Ben Kenobi, but none of the other troubles happened, and Ben Kenobi just taught you all the stuff, are you a Jedi? Or do you just know how to use the Force? Like, using the Force is not what makes you a Jedi, I don't think. Following a specific although it seems, code makes all, you a Jedi. All, although, although it seems like it's sort of a prereq. There's like, there's like the Jedi... The Jedi is an organization, and they get to decide who is the Jedi. So why why aren't they exercising that thing for him? That's a damn good question. Yeah, that's a. I know. A I, I know. I ask. Question. I ask really good questions, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what I appreciate is the fact that that you're so modest about it, <laughs> and you. How understated you are about your brilliance, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know who. I don't know who who gets to say that. It's a curious thing. I think it's sort of a little bit of an inconsistency. Well, no, I mean mystery. I guess maybe in the whole of the thing. Maybe. I mean, if you're if you're considered to be a Jedi Master, does that mean that you get to say, "Hey"? that that kid over there is pretty strong in the force i'm gonna see if i'm gonna teach them okay in the prequel era you had to bring the kid to yoda and the council and be like yeah i want to teach this kid and they'd be like all right let me just check him out yeah he checks out send him on his way get him some robes you know get his id card (laughs) his little his little jedi learner's permit Get him a, <laughs> he can like he can like swipe a card to go to his Jedi dorm room or whatever you know. Yeah, yeah. It's got, a, it's got the worst picture of him that they can possibly. Yeah. He's like picking his nose or something like yeah. that. Like, uh, yeah. All right, little Mister Skywalker, hold still. <laughs> you know. Now all your meal plans are going to be on this card. The Jedi Temple meal plans. Is- <laughs> <laughs> this is also going to double as your library card. <laughs> and you'll use it to get on the computers. What? <laughs> that, that's old, old school. You have to use yeah, that shit to get school, on the dude. computer. Oh, man. Oh, Christ. When, okay, we went to the same college. When you were there, did you, did you have to use your ID to get, like, get into the computer lab and all that? Did, like, well... When you were there, when I went there. It was a laptop. laptop. Yeah, oh so. man, I was there pre-laptop. Like I was there, like for the two years I was the first two years I was there it was pre-laptop, and then the last two years I was there it was laptop. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, so, like the first two years, like if you had a computer in your room, it was fine. You could use your computer, but I didn't have a printer, so I would have to put everything on a disc and then go to the computer lab, and you had to use your ID. You had to like check out a computer, basically. Oh really? Yeah, I'm pretty huh. sure. No. No, we had to scan our way in. Yeah. I thought there was something with our, with our card, where our ID card, where we had to like put it on the computer or something like that. Or maybe that was just something that people did to like hold it while they were like going to take a shit or something. I think that was, I think you had to. What the hell was that? God no, damn, actually, that was like, that was like 30 years ago now. It's almost 30 yeah, years fuck, ago now when I started. Fuck, fuck, fuck. The, the, what the when hell? I was there, it was more like we just set up like 10 computers in the library. And okay. the people who didn't, because you had to take a certain number of credits to, yeah, get, a to get a laptop. Right. So people who were just doing like two classes or whatever would wander into the library and just like use one of the like the gateway computers that were in the lab there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like type their papers or whatever, right? So. Right. Well, anyway, the Jedi used their. 
anyway, Padawan learner's permit for the Padawan learner permit. You get you get a little <laughs> you get a little wooden like lightsaber thing that just holds in your belt, you know. The uh, the bathroom key is on a an old lightsaber hilt without a crystal in it. <laughs> yeah, this could be a whole thing, man. We should make this could this. be a dude. Do this. Like, <laughs> do this. So there's so that's that's one thing. What is it? Right. Who decides who Jedi are? And I don't know the answer to that question, yeah. sir. I'm sorry, I don't know. I find <laughs> out. I'll get that answer. We gotta. I'll get. I'll get it for you. I'll get it for you. Let me. Let me. Uh, let me consult my sorry. holocrons and. <laughs> oh, sure. Find out the. Consult the holocrons. <laughs> there was a. I thought a cool moment in the first issue when all of the Jedi or several of the Jedi at the Jedi convocation, mm-hmm. they're all like, "Blah blah blah, <gasps> Vima!" Like they all sense it at once. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Then that was a nice little moment of force attunement ship with she, one another. When she was like taking the ship and getting yeah, like, hopping on the like the little minor ship to go to the yeah sun or whatever. Yeah, I like that. I that I like the fact that she did that. That she's like, well, if my mom's not going to pay attention to me, I'm just going to go to learn this shit on my own. Yeah, and you know, she just kind of jumps into a ship and takes off. Something okay. So one thing that I have a a problem with with this there's that point where silva is silvar is on the twi'lek homeworld and she says to the people that are like cowering in the cave she's like you don't need to cower here um you know we know where they are we can go we can go take it out on their women and their children let's go that's not jedi that's That's not that's so not jedi that's crazy (laughs) i i don't understand why that was okay although later taught Danita. Taught Danita. The Twilight uh the Twi'lek, Jedi. Twilight Jedi taught Danita. He will later say to her, You gotta watch it. You're you are you yeah. are queuing way too close to this, you know, this violence thing. So I did like that they're starting to get to this they're starting to get to this like, okay, we know where the line is and and they're starting to call each other out on it. So I feel yeah. like these ten years have been spent maybe learning a little bit more about yeah. like where the dark side and the light side begin and end and yeah. that kind of a thing. But you're, but you're right though. Like that, like that, I remember thinking that moment too, like for fuck's sake, how is this not like Jedi censorship or Jedi censure? Right. right, how, like, right. That's, that is terrible. She's yeah. like, let's go murder stuff. Guys, I'm a Jedi. I can do really good at murdering. <laughs> let's go murder. She says, I'm a Jedi. Let's go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's like to me to me that is one of the things that if there was people who were actually deciding and creating a Jedi membership roster they should be like you know what if you if you incite like mass murder even if it doesn't even if the mass murder doesn't happen yeah. we're going to put you on the probation list of Jedi <laughs> yeah. right like yeah. we, you maybe shouldn't be a Jedi if you do that even if you're consumed with vengeance or whatever the fuck like there's no there's no like Hitler was consumed with with rage too. It yeah. doesn't excuse what he did. No, no. You know, like no murder is excused by rage. Right. You know, so like she, what she did was just plain like wrong there. I think and she should definitely be. Yeah. Deserving of like a Jedi performance review or whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jedi demerits. <laughs> yeah, Jedi demerits. Yeah, you're gonna be. You're, oh, you're on Jedi academic probation or something. <laughs> <laughs> so what, I, what i'm learning just from this discussion is that 
<laughs> that that being a Jedi is like being at college for yeah. me. For me, <laughs> I, I don't know about for many other people, but for oh, me, God. Yeah, basically, we should make a like a Star Wars novel about like Jedi College or whatever. <laughs> Jedi College, because there was a Jedi Academy, right? Like, right. Like they, they, Luke made but a like, Jedi Academy. Right? You you think that at some point there were thousands of Jedi? That there was like the there's like the Corellia branch of the Jedi College, and there's like the the Dantooine branch of Jedi College or whatever you know. Jedi College Tatooine. It's like campus, yeah. a little like a little like lean to and like <laughs> Ben Kenobi shows up and there's nobody there. He just sits there. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> dirt. What's been what's Obi-Wan been doing between Revenge of the Sith and, and it's like it's like handwritten Jedi College <laughs> Tatooine branch and like up on the lean to thing. <laughs> um Day four hundred and twenty three. There's no one here. No one here. There you the, the, You're um, way better at that than I. No one here. There you go. Uh, there's, there's, uh, the the Hogan guy, the Jedi fanboy. Yeah. He he took a very obviously teenage girl <laughs> off planet to another planet, and then he said, "Yeah, I'll be in range for another day or so if you can run into trouble." Right, like, right. Bro, Left that is in the also. Cold bad that's so bad <laughs> that character was very odd yeah, very odd character but it's also not- there was there was a believability to it in the sense that if there were for real these jedi yeah you would totally have fans oh yeah it'd be like that, oh they like, probably have like oh, jedi yeah. trading cards and shit. yes for sure you know posters on your wall you'd have like the lightsaber batting average of your favorite jedi or whatever you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely and he would be he would be like the president of the jedi fan club right? yeah <laughs> that guy so here's is all right serious question about him is he the first person to say May the force be with you in this last, in, in this uh, Tales of the Jedi? Because I don't remember anybody else saying it. And of course, we've been um, on so long. I don't remember though. I feel like there was something in the, was there? Was there? the okay. Beast Wars stuff that had that. Ah, I was hoping that he'd be the first, per- first person to say that. And he's not even a Jedi. May the force be with you. Fuck off, man. You don't know about the force. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Go fuck yourself with the force. How about that? <laughs> May the force be with your mother while I go. No, 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 no. Nope, 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 nope. Nope. Dude, nope. Sith. That's Sith. Don't do that. That's the Sith, that's the Sith one. Yep. Don't do it. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> May the force be with you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> wow. So uh, another another thing, I know we don't have an answer for this yet, but I want to just, just like my uh, continuing droid and Chewbacca uh, <laughs> and clone moralization thing, yeah. I also want to keep... want to keep hitting this point here, which is there's there's another moment of what is the dividing line between Jedi and Republic here? Because the crawl yeah. for issue three says on Exus station, Nomi Sunrider calls the Jedi Knights together to discuss the future of the Republic. Right. Yeah. But like they're, they're in charge of rebuilding. Isn't the Senate supposed to do that? Like you would, think. how are the Jedi Knights in charge of that at all? The Jedi are aren't on the Senate. They're not elected. They're not know? senators. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's crazy. It's, it's, it fits, 
it continues to fit in with this thing of like, I don't understand for the moment anyway, mm-hmm. what the relationship is between the Jedi and the Senate. The Jedi I, wonder, and the I wonder if this is a case of the Jedi overstepping their bounds, or if it's a case of the Senate having put the Jedi in charge of this and Nomi being the, the head of that group. Oh, right. Maybe, but we didn't, we don't know. That's all speculation. Yeah. I did, I did note that when I was reading that, I didn't make a note, but I, I just, it, in my head, it, it, it ticked off as, oh, okay, so why are the Jedi in charge of this? And that was like my first thought was that somebody put Nomi in charge of it. And of course, Nomi, well, what does she know? She knows Jedi. So, there yeah. you go, right. Just to put a, at least a little loose bow on that, I don't really know. But we'll, yeah, but yeah. but it's still it's part of what we're might maybe might be more of the stuff. We it's kind of like, we still need to find out. more. Yeah. yeah, we need to flesh that out and kind of get an idea of that relationship. Speaking of things that we're still trying to understand, when Ulick gets killed, Ulick who is no longer in tune with the Force, Ulick who is no longer really a Jedi, even though they call him Jedi, his body disappears. Vanishes. He one with the Force. Yeah, and there's a there's kind of a little like a line said. I, I don't remember who says it. Maybe it's Nomi that says it. But yeah, it yeah. I wrote course. it. I wrote it down. She said vanished, but how? Only a Jedi master. Okay, so yeah, so yeah. it was Nomi then. Yeah. Okay, all right. So we talked before about how the Force is neither dark side or light side. It is the Force, and the user is the one that pulls from the Force to either be dark or light, right? But there is a distinction, dark side of the force, light side of the force, right? Because uh, at least originally... At least, in the, at least in the Kevin Anderson conception. Yeah. You know, and and like It's very very distinct. I mean, other right. writers too, but right. Kevin, I th- Kevin Anderson is probably the most, like, to me, Kevin J. Anderson has the most, like, the hardest line right. between them. Yeah. Right. I didn't mean to dis- derail. No, 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 you didn't. You didn't more than just that though. Like when you go back and you look at like, like listen to Yoda in empire, right? He says, you know, uh, fear and anger, the dark side of the force are these, right? So yeah. he's saying that the force has a dark side. There is a dark yeah. side to the force. So, Maybe not just just the user, or maybe the user interacting with it is what makes it the dark side of the force. Right. Like maybe it just exists, and when you when you're the one that you 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 said this, and this is stuck with me, runs their fingers through the force, and I love that. I got to tell you, yeah. I didn't I didn't mention it at the time, but I love that analogy. Running your fingers through the force. Maybe that interaction of touching the force and the force touching you makes it light or dark or whatever. Right. Here's where I'm getting at with that long-winded ass thing. If the force is neither dark nor light and the user is what makes it, what gives it that light or dark, why are only Jedi masters, why are only Jedi masters allowed to become one with the force? See, and this is where, this is where I have the, this actually kind of, for me, ties into this whole, like who gets to call themselves Jedi Right. What is a Jedi master? What is a Jedi? What is not a Jedi master? The way that I read that was Nomi sort of saying only Jedi masters are so tuned in that they are the ones who can sort of, as their, as their bodily life ends, they can grab the tail of the force and sort of 
skirt physically into that, right? Mm-hmm. I think it sounds like that was that. That's how I was reading it. Yeah. Not nec- I didn't. I didn't read it, and I don't think this is what you're saying. But I didn't read it oh. as you can't do it unless you get the promotion, right? Right. Right. I right. didn't. I didn't read yeah. it as that. What I don't know, and what I've never seen dealt with. Well, okay, the Sith, at least in this, and a couple of other things, some of the games, some of the other works of fiction, Sith also have the ability to persist in spirit form in the force mm-hmm. in some way. Right. Which, which I think lends itself to being like the force doesn't care if you die with like peace in your heart or like with murder on the mind. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just at some level, if you have reached that level of mastery where you have sort of gotten the force suffused through you and everything you do, does that then become when you can enter the force upon death? Enter the force and retain your personhood, right? And be be able to be a force ghost or or whatever, or or to fade away the way that that Ulick does and that Ben Kenobi does and that Yoda does. But not Qui-Gon. Yeah, not that we see. Like, is he... Wait, hold on. Okay, so, okay, hold on. Pump the brakes, in, because in that story that we read, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, no, but in that go. story that we read, Qui-Gon is very much a Force ghost. There's that whole thing at the end of Revenge of the Sith where Yoda's like, I'm going to teach you how to commune with your old master. And and we even we get to read some of their interaction, right? Yeah. How is he one with the Force if his body didn't disappear? I'm going to have to... So there's two ways to escape that question. One is... <laughs> Not, not as, I don't mean escape it. There's two ways to... It just sounded good. Do a, yeah. There's two ways for me to dodge answering the question. <laughs> there's two ways to think about Look it. Look over there. There's the, there's the way that we mentioned before pretty much every episode, which is that it was not well thought out until after it was already filmed. That's true. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. Good point. good point. Or the other way to think about it is I'm trying to replay the, the ending bits of Phantom Menace in my head. When, when Darth Maul, like Saber saber stabs qui-gon mm-hmm. has qui-gon fully died yet nope no nope. he's still alive because after obi-wan chops maul in half he goes he goes and, and grabs talks him. To him and yeah and that's when qui-gon says you got to teach the kid let me let me kick that ladder out from underneath you because they then the next scene or not the next scene but like one of the next scenes is them burning qui-gon's body darth vader style Oh, right. So that was Qui-Gon's body. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess what I don't understand in all of that is, is fading bodily into the force the way Ulick does, the way Ben Kenobi does, the way Yoda does, is that required in order to later be an apparition of some kind in the force? In the canonical stuff, does he ever, does he appear as a ghost anywhere? I don't think he does. Like visually, he doesn't appear no. as a ghost. You hear no, his voice. Yeah, you hear his voice a couple of times in the sequel. Yeah, but you never see him as like a ghosty ghost. Maybe there's a um, a gradation to it. Maybe Qui Gon hadn't figured out how to like pass on full form into the Force, but he retained the ability to sort of keep his personhood right. So he Qui Gon can't be a Force ghost and appear in his roughly bodily form right? right but he can occasionally be like 
Anakin or whatever from the depths <laughs> of the force. <laughs> Boo! Oh. Boo! <laughs> Obi-Wan, stop touching yourself. Or <laughs> whatever. He can do that. Whereas if you figure out how to bodily fade, then you can later reappear as like the ghost version of yourself. This is pretty muddled though, because does under Sunrider fade away? I don't think he fades away, does he? No, he's still he's still there. But okay, but he, I, maybe but I, he but he appears as an apparition. Like he's visible to Nomi. Fuck yeah, he does, isn't he? You know what I mean? So like there either it's a muddled thing, which is my suspicion, or you don't have to fade physically to become a force apparition. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay, okay. with that. And here's here's where I'm going with that. Okay. So maybe because I'm trying to think about this, whether or not any other Jedi fade into the Force in the prequel trilogy. And I don't think anybody does. I think anybody does. Because we talked about it even on the Attack of the Clones thing. All those Jedi that were strewn out all over the place after the Battle of Geonosis, none of them disappeared, right? Yeah. The, the first time we see a Jedi fade into the Force in this modern era, and what I'm going to call the modern era is going to be from Phantom Menace to the end of the sequel trilogy, right? Okay. The first time we see somebody fade into the Force is Ben Kenobi. It's Ben Kenobi, yeah, it's yeah, It's Ben yeah, Kenobi, yeah, yeah. right? And then Vader does it, right? Because yeah. when he, all that gets burned is, it, it's not his body, it's just his it's armor just that a, gets burned. Kylo Ren does it. Yoda does it. Luke, Yoda does it. Luke does it. Luke does it. Does Leia do it in Rise of Skywalker? You know, I just, I literally just watched that, like, with my kid. Because they cover her body with this, like, sheet thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I can't remember whether the sheet, like, fluffs down or whatever, you know? I think it might. I feel, okay. Okay. I feel like it did. You'd think that I would remember this. I literally just watched this. But I wasn't paying full attention to it. I wasn't paying attention to that either. I wasn't paying attention to the, to that, because we're, we're describing this very, like I said before, there's two explanations. One is that Star Wars itself has not, has not tightly defined how that works. Right. Or two, it's just, we, uh, we don't understand what they're trying to say about it. I I feel like, I just feel like Star Wars hasn't, I feel like for, for the material in Star Wars in the various films and comics, it's just not well-defined Right. whether you have to, whether your body has to fade away for you to become a force ghost who can appear in a physical form. Because it happen, you can because you, we see it several times. I think doesn't Master Arca also? No, he but he fades away though. Anyway, there's a guy. There, anyway, there is an example. There is an example in the Tales of the Jedi arcs where a guy does not fade away and yet appears as an apparition. Nomi's husband. Um, right? Nomi's husband, Anderson Rider. Yeah. And there are there are there is Qui Gon who we never see him, but there's some implication that he has that ability. Because right. we hear his voice and people say, Yoda says, I've talked with him. Let me tell you about it. You know? Right, right. Inside the material, I can't find a conceptual theory that holds for it. Right. At, right. Least, at least that holds like, like perfectly consistent. Yeah. But in my own head, to me, I feel like maybe it doesn't matter whether you fade away. Although then what's the point of that? Okay, so here's where I – let me throw something at you here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so just from this Tales of the Jedi arc, which is 
4,000 to 5,000 years before, right? You've yeah. got, you've got people that don't people that do, right? People yeah. that are like you were saying that are like really attuned with the force seem to be the ones that, that disappear, right? Arca, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ulic, the squid guy the, in the tank. The squid yeah. guy in the tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, oh, that was kind of sad, right? Yeah. The squid guy, he's gone. But you've got these people that do, right? Maybe it's a lost art. Maybe Qui-Gon was doing studying on the side and he was just getting to that point before he got killed. But he still was able to, at that point, maybe commune with other spirits within the Force because he was right. in tune, right? right? And say, look, there's a way for you to kind of manifest yourself uh, almost to like a, like a corporeal form. You know, this is something that this is a lost art of the Jedi. Maybe he's telling Yoda this. Maybe he's like, look, there's yeah. this lost art to this. And, and you can tell, you know, th- why don't you tell Ben to get, get here's my number. Have Ben call me. <laughs> I'm going to tell him about it. And that's how it kind of gets passed through, you know. That, but that doesn't explain how Yoda knows. One eight hundred force one two three. Get a hold of <laughs> Qui Gon. <laughs> oh my god! And ask for Qui Gon. That's ask for Qui Gon. Tell him Qui Gon sent you. <laughs> get, get a great deal on force push abilities. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a good uh, question, though. It's a, that yeah. that was a great question because it, it, I almost I almost there, there's a part of me that almost likes the questions that we can't quite answer yet. Yeah, because they're there's because more digging that, to that, do. That, that there's more digging, but also it leaves room yeah. for us to sort of create our own headcanon around it too. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So that's true. Yeah. I do. I do. I do like the digging part, though. That's yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Noted this. Ulick says to Silvar when they when they meet and they sort of duel. He says to her, "Bury your dead past." Mm-hmm. Isn't that what a Jedi Knight would do? I mean, I know this is written well before anything last Jedi wise, but to me, that clearly stuck out as a as a last Jedi feeling yeah. um, idea. Right, yeah, and yeah. Kylo yeah. Ren is the one advocating that in that right. film. He's right. like, "Kill, kill your past, bury it. It's gone. You, like, right. don't let that do what you can do. Don't let that affect what you can do in the now. Bury it." Well, I didn't make that connection, but that's that's actually really. It's really kind of tied to, even though I would be surprised if Ryan Johnson had that moment in this comic as the driver of him doing that, I still, I still made the, I still was like, that's part of the non-attachment philosophy, right? Of the, of the, of the Jedi, even though in this era, they don't quite have as much of it. Right. There aren't the specific Jedi. You can still get married and have kids and all that kind of stuff, you know? Right. I feel like that's, but it has a, it rhymes with that though. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a nice echo and and, and it it feels important to growth as a, as a spiritual being, which I, I kind of view the Jedi as it also kind of makes me think of like Buddhist philosophy as well. Yeah. Right. Where you, you can't, you don't, don't focus on the past, focus on the present to be here, be present, be now. Right. Just another example, maybe, of yeah. how influenced 
the ideas in Star Wars are by by Middle Eastern philosophies. Yeah, yeah, sure, for sure. Middle Eastern, <clears throat> Eastern philosophies, not Middle Eastern, Eastern. Not Middle Eastern. Eastern. Yeah. I mean, you had it's east. There's easterness to it. Just Easter, you go easterly. Just go east, and you'll get there eventually. It's you bump fine. right into it. It's fine. You bump right into it. Oh, hey, there's a philosophy right there. Look at, if, look at that philosophy over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that guy, that guy just walked right into it. Jeez, is he okay? <laughs> <laughs> Someone check on him. He walked into a philosophy. <laughs> Jesus, God, are you okay, sir? Jesus. Oh, okay, so Ulick at one point says that he wants to tell. I think it's the kid. He tells her about like, oh, that's the cost of being a Jedi. Yeah. Yep. And and the truth is it's not the cost of being a Jedi, it's the cost of being a Sith. So if he if we're to believe that he is so in tune with the force that he can become one with the force by the end of this, you can't have him saying stuff that still hews a little too closely to Sithhood, I guess. Sith- Fullness. Sith, Sithy, the Sithy. That's a Sithy comment. That's a very uh, Sithy thing to say. Yeah, like that's a that's a decent point. That's that's. Huh. It's he's he's almost like so. Although here's here's what I might uh, hmm. see now. I wonder about that. <laughs> yeah. But now I now I wonder about that though because because maybe since the Force in our sort of in the way that we talk about it, the Force is just the Force. It's not like fucking. You don't like go ten miles that way and you reach the dark side of it, right? It's, it's, right. You know, no, that's that's the Lion King over there. <laughs> yeah, but um, you must never go there, Simba. But but Ulick in this in this arc, in this set of arcs, Ulick is uniquely qualified in terms of exploring many aspects of the Force and drawing lessons from them. You know, pretty true. Yeah, and actually, and oh, actually, so think about this too. Do you remember Master Thon? He went to that planet that he was on because the dark side was there. Yeah, and he was he was shoving the dark side sort of back a little bit into that right. lake kind of area. You know, he was like, yeah, he he was like balancing himself, not not in terms of like using the dark side, so to speak, whatever that means, mm-hmm. but in terms of like he was in its presence right. all the time. On that right. planet, and so so Ulick saying that there's a cost to being the Jedi. Maybe that's the cost of being a Jedi Master. In that your experience with the Force has grown so much that you touch like the full spectrum of what's out there almost. I like Although, that. I don't know. I don't know because no, the, the I, reason I like that. Ex- I like that. Except that the Jedi Masters are still so much like. All right, you younglings, don't ever think about the dark side. You know what I mean? They're still yeah. very moralistic about that too but that could just be hubris too that could I mean, just be, it could be hubris it could be like it could be also why i mean there, how many stories are there of jedi who are like i'm ready to learn more i'm gonna go do what xr coon right right yeah they're, yep. they're always saying i'm ready to do more let me get out of my way master yeah. you're a big jerk for not letting me like <laughs> force choke babies or whatever you know <laughs> when will you just let me kill younglings i mean i mean even anakin is like obi-wan is holding me back Right. In in yeah. of the Clones in a very just ugh. really I well Hayden. acted and Hayden, I'm so sorry, buddy. Like look, it's not just it's, it's not just Hayden. Star Wars. Hayden, it's 
I saw him in another movie. He was just as bad. It is not. Just so, so you're saying it was him? Because I was, I was yeah. going on, I was going on the path of like, buddy, it was a bad script, maybe mm-hmm. bad direction. So okay, but if you're saying he's, I don't think I've seen much of his other work. That's the only other thing I've seen him in. But. I mean, maybe there's maybe there's a little thing there. Um, I, maybe yeah. maybe Hayden is not the best actor in the world. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But either way, bad actor working with bad script, good actor working with bad script. Either way, the bad yep. script stands out in that little sequence. But but the, but the point is, coming back to the point though, was that like these young Jedi who are like, no, let me learn it. I want to learn it, you fucking dick. You're not <laughs> telling me about the dark side, and I want to learn it. Whereas yeah. the masters seem to have contemplated, touched, dealt with all that stuff, the dark side. So Ulick making that comment. And you recognizing the dark side or Sith tendencies there, maybe that's actually evidence in the sack of Ulik is a Jedi Master. It's just that he can't touch the Force anymore. Ulik gained experience of like many of the flavors of the Force, right, in his path. It's just that through whatever kind of shitty little power that they have there, he got cut off from touching the Force. But maybe he qualifies as a Jedi Master now, in a sense. Because he touched so many angles of the force in his in his path. I wonder, okay, so going kind of off that. Yeah. Well, I want to actually I'm gonna back up a little bit from where you ended up there. But you talked about the masters being like, hey, don't, you know, don't don't go near the dark side. You're gonna get oh, it's gonna get that dark side all over you. Oh, you uh, t- take off your robes, <laughs> go put them in the Jedi laundry. Yeah. Look at this, you got dark side all over the walls. <laughs> Um, the, uh, maybe the masters know who is capable of approaching ready that. to, right. Yeah. Like, like Anakin being like, you're holding me back. Uh, Obi-Wan probably looks at him and goes, well, you're not fucking doing this. Then. Well, you, this little temper tantrum tells me all the more that you're not going to touch the dark side yet, buddy. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. So maybe that's, maybe that's what that is. Maybe that's yeah. why they're all like, so help me. So help me Yoda, Padawan. I... <laughs> Don't you go over there to the dark side. Right. You'll be Maybe grunted. that's... Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. That could, that could be. I remember reading too... I picked up some... I didn't even buy it, but I picked up some magazine that was talking about all the very... And it was this like... I don't know. You get on, you get on um, YouTube sometimes and there's a couple of YouTubers who make videos about like lightsaber fighting styles yeah and you're like okay buddy that's a little too much for me like yeah but in this magazine there was this article all about these different lightsaber styles and it described mace windu's style as being informed by when he is using when he's fighting he rides a thin balance between the light and the dark when he fights in some way so i'd have to look it up to see exactly what it said Hmm. about that but what that means is that 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 form is one that he developed and only he as a master a jedi master can really kind of touch it because it sort of rides the knife edge of balance between the light and the dark in terms I like of that is attunement so I like that. that even though even though these like lightsaber forms are like i don't think the i'm not sure that the i don't know that the fight choreographers ever really intended there to be like 10 different forms of it Mm-hmm. I mean, they do. They do definitely have characters have different styles for sure. But I don't know. It, it, it still did read like a little, a little much for me. I don't know. 
But the point being, us talking about the masters, like dealing with the Jedi masters dealing both the light and the dark, that little chunk from that magazine fits that into that category of Jedi masters can at least look at it and be okay. You know, they can be like, yep, that's the dark side and I'm cool with that. I understand it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like give myself to it, but I can, I see, I see you dark side. I see you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. These sets of questions that you're asking, they give me a good feel for the depth of why Ulick gets to go to the force, even though he's not, can't use the force anymore. Which, I mean, to be real, it, it made sense to me anyway, because I never took not being able to touch the Force as you are entirely removed from the Force. I just well, took it as, yeah, I just took it as, like, you could, he couldn't, like, you know, move a rock around with his mind. But he's, like, the Force still exists around him, in and around him. Right. right. He just can't touch it, you know. Well, that's the basic tenet of the Force is life creates it and life yeah. surrounds it. So whether or not Ulick is a Jedi, him disappearing makes sense in that sense. Maybe the analogy here for what Nomi did to him is she <laughs> she shined a force laser in his eyes. <laughs> so he's blind, still has eyes, light still enters the eyes, but he can't see anymore in the force. Right? Is that, that helps me draw the analogy better to what could be an explanation for what it was, even though I think we kind of agreed that it was kind of a lame power anyway. I uh, I imagine that if if like that if that like actually physically happened, like the light blinding him actually happened on panel, the ensuing dialogue would be something along the lines of him crying out to his brother. And hey, dying. she burned my eyes yeah, yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> He cut off my arm. <laughs> Extra R's. The how many arcs is this? Is this like eight or seven or eight arcs? Right? Seven or eight, I think. Seven or eight arcs, and that still is like one of my favorite moments yep. in the whole fucking thing yep. because it's just so absurd. It's just so yeah. absurd. So I, th- I feel like we're kind of getting to the end of this. And speaking of favorite things, what did you like the best out of these arcs? So a 100% this arc was my favorite arc. Yeah. A couple things here. One is, and this is, this will deal with my question to you in a minute, the importance of art and artwork. Because Ulick and Vima create like ice sculptures yeah. of, of Master Arca and her father, right? But not, but not his brother. Meaning. What the fuck? Ulick? Yeah. <laughs> Ulick, you murdered him, dude. Yeah. Come on, man. The least you could do is give him a fucking ice sculpture. Yeah. And then later on, those same ice sculptures play into Nomi and Silvar recognizing that something else is going on here. It's right. not just a weird whatever. It's, it's meaningful. Right. Okay. So to, me, that was, to me, that was one of my favorite things out of the whole series was that. Another thing I think was, it was a little bit poorly executed maybe, but I did appreciate how Exar Kun was just gone. He was gone. He was like, I'm dark side. Boom. Even, yeah. I mean, he kind of paid lip service to like wanting to be like, I don't want to do this right away guys or whatever. But, but he was, <laughs> but he, from, from the, from the outset, he had that dark mindset to him. You right. know, 
he had very clearly had darkness inside him. Right. Ulick did not. And I think one of the things that was pretty good was that Ulick's brother, Nomi, Oswalem, some of the other guys continually tried to get Ulick back. Like yeah. they recognized that there were, that there, that the darkness that was in him was like not him. Right. Almost. Right. It was an exterior force. It was like, it was like, it was like, that's not, that's not my friend that I know and love. Right. You know? And so I, I, even though it was kind of weird sometimes, I liked that mm-hmm. in that relationship for them. I think those are the two things because as I reflect on the whole thing, I think I honestly could say that this last arc was the only one that I truly end to end enjoyed. Yeah. The others yep. were like, some of them had some good and they were like fine and tolerable and whatever. But this was the only one that I, I, I would read this. If this was, if there was more story to tell here, I would read it. And I would yeah. want to read it. Yeah. But like I did I was, not, yeah. I did not want any more beast wars. I did not want any more Sith war. I didn't want any more golden age. That stuff. I didn't, I didn't need it. Yeah. But this last arc, yes. So what about you? What are you, what are some of your favorite moments and reactions on the series as a whole? For me, I think that largely so much of this is, and I'm probably going to catch a lot of shit for this if people ever listen to this, but I'd say that a lot of this is largely forgettable. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I just ultimately, what really stands out here is Ulick's fall to the dark side and his redemption. That's really the story here, right? And we've taken seven or eight arcs to tell it but that's the main that's the main story here yeah and exarkun even is a secondary part of that right i mean yeah. he's just the other guy that you know that went full dark and didn't make it back you know yeah i enjoyed i enjoyed that story i enjoyed the absurdity of some of the was 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 just like i mentioned before the whole oh like they cut off my arm that whole bit was yeah. It kills me. I still I like I'll still think of that and be like, that's eh, cut off his arm. He's shouting. Who was he shouting to, right? Nobody knew who he was shouting yeah. to. He was shouting. Yeah. Ulick wasn't even in the room, but he's shouting. <laughs> Who's this Ulick guy? Somebody grab his arm. You know, what's yeah. he what's he hollering about? I don't fucking know, man. I just cut his arm off. It's cut his arm off. He's talking to some guy named Ulick. <laughs> but I like you, I think this last arc really is my favorite yeah. cover to cover. Like if we're looking, you know, from yeah. issue one to issue five. This one had the most in it. This is the kind of stuff that I like about Star Wars. Small yeah. stories set into a larger backdrop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than these yeah. old, huge arcing stories, you know? Uh, because let's face it, the original Star Wars was a small story set against a huge backdrop. Yeah. Galactic Civil War. And that's what this, that's what this arc is. This arc is, is that, that type of a, a magnitude. Yeah. The, some of the absurdities, a little bit of, you know, here and there we found, we found kind of our way a little bit on a few things, but really like, I don't think we got the answers to what we were looking for. No. Like we set out, like, I want to know more about how the Sith came about and like what the Sith rule of two is about and all that. I mean, if, you know, I went back and I listened to the mall episodes that we did and we, we, we wanted to know about that. We wanted to know why the Sith just fucking hate yeah. the Jedi. And we yeah. still don't know. We still don't know why they hate no. the Jedi. We know no. that they want to take over the world. They want th- that they're, we know that they're basically Lex Luthor from Superman, the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're looking for land and power. 
but that's all we know. That's all we really know. So we did, yeah. ultimately we didn't get what we wanted, but I think the I think getting this redemption arc uh, for Ulick was kind of the the trade off. My question for you: so for for both for Ulick and Vima, as well as for Nomi and Silvar, the works of art that they did were important, significant. They meant something. So my and they were and they they changed perspectives. They you know they they made a difference to the people who created and who viewed them. So my question to you, what works of art have had an impact on you like that? Star Wars or not, right? And I don't care if it's a movie, a painting, a sculpt, whatever. Just what work of art has had an impact on you that like perspective shifted? Movie Do the Right Thing. Is that a recent film or is that? No, that's from 89. Okay. Spike Lee film. Taught me a couple things. First, that just because a movie's a comedy uh, doesn't mean that it's going to be funny the whole way through. This is a this is a movie that is about building tensions in a neighborhood on the hottest day of the summer and building tensions uh, that that eventually boil over into conflict. It taught me that you can have a movie that's that's two things at the same time, right? You can have these these things that are two things at the same time, but more importantly than that, it kind of opened my eyes. As a as a young man, I was I was I want to say I was eighteen or seventeen or eighteen when I saw that movie mm-hmm. uh, the first time, and um, so after it had been out for a little while, I think I saw it on video, but opened my eyes a little bit to injustice and like police brutality a little bit. That really is what kind of set me on the path to the person that I am today. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I I you know I have I have strong opinions on those things and. And, yeah. and I think that that's really where that started. So yeah. I think that if you want to talk about like life changing, something that, that definitely shifted a paradigm for me, that was it. And it got me into Spike Lee. It got me into independent film. It, I would say that that would probably be, that would probably be the work of art that had that effect for me. I can't right. think of like a painting or a song or, or a novel. Well, Maybe Breakfast of Champions, Kurt Vonnegut, Breakfast of Champions. Mm-hmm. Sure. That one, I love that book. And it, it just, it makes me, it makes me laugh and it makes me sad at the same time, you know? But uh, I don't know if that one had, I still don't think that that one had an effect on me the way that, the way that Do the Right Thing had an effect on me. Mm-hmm. And because I'm very, I, like you mentioned before earlier, you mentioned that I'm, I'm kind of the movie buff and I am. That to me made me realize how much power there is in film. Right. Sure. How, you know, how much you can do with it. How about you? Have yeah. you ever been in the presence of some piece of art that changed your perspective or changed you as a person? When I wrote this question down, I thought about it actually. And I think there, there is one that stands above the rest for me is the, the, the play Our Town. Oh yeah. And, oh. and for two, two, for two reasons I, I saw, so I never read the show until I saw it for the first time at St. Olaf. And I was like a freshman or a sophomore in college and I saw it and it floored me. It floored, I had no idea what I was in for. I was seeing a friend of mine who was in it at St. Olaf. So I just came down to see it. It was sort of quaint and wonderful. And then the third act hit and it like, like exploded my universe, you know? both from the perspective of the folks who were dead, but also the, the character, Emily, who goes, who comes back for a day and realizes how, how amazingly wonderful everything is from like shoelaces to butterflies to whatever. Right. It's all incredible. 
and th- so so that I walked out of that show like, how have I never even heard of this before? Because I hadn't, I hadn't read it in high school or anything like that. Yeah, I was like, how did I never hear of this before? And then two or three years later, Concordia did that show, and I got the chance to be the stage manager. Oh like, my god, the role, yes. right? Not the not the stage manager, yeah, of yeah, yeah, but the stage manager of our town. And it went from an experience that changed me as 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 a, as a participant in the audience to something that changed me as an artist is going through and building building that character and then experiencing people building their characters and experiencing doing that show on stage and participating in the presentation of it right i couldn't even begin to enumerate the the little moments of of amazingness and like a little this little bump of clarity and like a little bump of like a connected moment to somebody a fellow actor or the audience or whatever as as i was doing it but that that show that work of art our town had that dual effect for me both the first time changing my perspective as like seeing it and then the second time changing my perspective as like doing it you know anyway so that's that's my that's my thing i don't think anything else there's of course there's lots of amazing art there in the world of course sure yeah um but but for me that's the thing that's like the top of the the heap for changing my life art wise that's that's powerful that and, and what a what a great role you know oh, the stage God, manager yes. is like this fantastic oh. wow i did a thing too i did a thing that i've never done before or never done since is because when i uh, when i auditioned for that show i wasn't a theater major and i wasn't planning on doing it so I thought, fuck it. I'm just going to put down that I want this role or nothing else. I literally put that on the audition sheet. I put down, I will take the part of the stage manager. And then I put some some sort of like, but anything else, you know, some sort of polite way of saying that's the only role I would take. And and it worked out and I didn't expect it to, but it did. Wow. And because I wasn't a major, I didn't, ex- I was like, I was okay with not spending that time. Sure. Right. But then after I did that show, I became a theater major. Nice. I mean, partially because I loved it, partially because that was the fastest way to get done. Either yeah. way, <laughs> either way, um, it helped me. It changed my perspective there too. <laughs> sure. Jeez, well, what a heady, what a heady way to end. I think. I think we're kind of. That was that was fantastic, though, man. Yeah. That was that was exactly the kind of question we needed. So we talked a couple episodes ago when we decided we were going to finish out Tales of the Jedi. We were going to do a palate cleanser. Yeah. Have you given any thought to I've been trying to think of what that should be. Okay. And I can't decide if should, maybe we should just do one of the films now or see if we can get a, get a hold of that Ewok thing you mentioned. The um... <laughs> Caravan of Courage and uh, Battle for Endor, I think, is the other one. Okay. okay. But I, they're not on Disney+. Plus. But what I do know is on Disney+, Plus is they just put it on. They put Solo... The, the the Han Solo yeah. side movie they just put that on there. Let's do that. Yeah, I, I, I thought, haven't because I haven't seen that. By the okay. way, that, yeah. yeah, that's I, I thought that you hadn't. I think that okay. So if you're okay doing that, I think we should do yeah. that one because Let's do it. because it's it is so far away from any of the stuff that we've been talking about. You know, there's no there's no Jedi, there's no ain't no Jedi, ain't no Force, yeah. you know whatever. It, it this is. This exists in a part of the Star Wars universe that just don't, gives fuck all care about like Jedi mysticism, Jedi shit. That stuff, yeah. Jedi BS, right? 
So I, I, I just feel like that might be a good palate cleanser. What do you think? That, that sounds great. Work? Okay. I am 100% there. Boom. Let's nice. do it. All right. So that'll be, uh, that'll be next week. Solo. That's a wrap, folks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Great Disturbances. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a review on iTunes, Podbean, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can find us on Facebook by searching for at Great Disturbances and on Twitter at G Disturbances. See you later!